Yachtmala! Yachtmala! Welcome back, my friends, to the Cult Film Showdown. I am your host, 8th Dan Stanadu, and I am super happy to be joined by my good friends. And I have I have Jack, and depending on what he's called this week. Oh, yeah. No, you know, it's, it's interesting you brought that up, because uh, here's the problem with being on a world-famous podcast like this, is... Uh, you get yeah, recognized? Yeah, I changed my name to... To Chris, you know, to Peacock. And, right. Uh, yeah, the Peacock Network, uh, cease and desist from the Peacock Network. They, uh, that's the problem. They thought it would be confusing to people, that new streaming service from NBC. So, mm-hmm. yeah, I had changed my name. It's, uh, you know, for your guys' sake, I didn't want the legal issues dragging you down. Yeah. Yeah, yeah I mean, well, it, is a pro- it is a problem. You've, you have way more subscribers than uh, – than the Peacock Network does. So that this is, is true. That is this a is true. Yeah. He's right yeah. up there with QB. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I have, you know, uh, yeah. I mean, my, I think I have two thousand subscribers on Twitter. So you know, I mean, way more than Peacock Network. But anyways, yeah. But yeah, cease and desist. So I, you know, I'm not going to let them take it all from me. Like I just, I've decided to go with a uh, uh, McCock as my last name, and then I'll just change the first name just so it's not confusing. So Paul. Okay. Thankfully, that wasn't confusing at all. <laughs> Are you gonna? <laughs> Are you gonna say the name? The new Paul McCock. Okay, and James Cotta, we've heard you. Yes, I'm. I am. I'm here, and I am thrilled to announce our new show sponsor, Spatula City. Spatula City. Spatula oh, City. Yeah. <laughs> I was gonna do that later. <laughs> where they sell, where they sell spatulas, and that's all. And that's all. All and right. All. And speaking of that's all, Nick Boxer. Greetings and salutations. You almost caught me with my finger up my nose. <laughs> but you didn't. Oh. Okay. <laughs> Keep us updated on that situation. Yeah. I will. It's you. We wouldn't want to. Uh, we wouldn't want to fall out of the loop in that case. And uh, you know, for those of you who um, who know the movie well and may not have guessed it, we are talking about UHF, the Weird Al Yankovic uh, cult classic today. So, yeah, yeah. I mean, it's. I don't. I don't even know what the hell we're doing anymore. So, um, so of course, James, I know what your concept. Uh, oh, but I know. Okay, yeah, James has to explain the concept, but I know pretty soon oh, yeah, we're going to get yeah. some That's, in the movies yes, to us. Yes, for sure. Okay, so the season is called 85 Minutes of Fame, I think. Last um, time I looked. <laughs> and they, so, you know, a reference to the uh, classic Andrew Warhol long line in the future, everyone will be famous for 15 minutes. These are all films starring someone who is best known for something that is not film. Uh, in this case, the great Weird Al Yankovic, uh, best known for being the son of uh, of polka legend uh, Frankie Yankovic. Yeah, that's true. That's what he's known for. <laughs> that's his claim to fame. Yeah. <laughs> now, now, uh, Paul, do you want to tell us uh, what the? Yeah, film, yeah. Well, the well I mean. Of- it's UHF because, like you say, I mean, it's it stars Weird Al. It's his only. He's had cameos in other movies, but this is his only starring role. Um, his only real acting role that he ever did on a on a in a movie. Uh, he had a 
variety yeah. TV no. show. That doesn't, but I, I don't think that that variety TV show doesn't count. And besides, I think less people saw that than uh, than subscribe to this Peacock Network. So, <laughs> um, yeah. So, anyways, yeah. Weird Al, uh, UHF, uh, very at this point uh, a strong cult following for this film. All right. Now and this means oh. Air quotes. This is an audio podcast around the word acting role. Uh, <laughs> well, he didn't play himself, but yeah. even then, that's you know, uh, well, I, I would I would have picked the Howard Stern private parts, but it's way too good. Um, yes, the plot of this film is quite ingenious and unique. Weird Al playing a character that looks and acts. Specific, mostly like Weird Al, is kind of a loser and can't find his place in life, can't hold the ja- down a job. So through a family connection, he gets to put in charge of a television station, a UFA station, coincidentally. I wonder if they thought of that before they named this movie. Um, you know, because that happens. So he's managing the station, and through no fault of his own, this station all of a sudden becomes popular because he puts Kramer on there for no apparent reason. Uh, and then some funny stuff happens. And then because they got popular, the big bad television station in town decides to try to, you know, take them out and it almost works and they have a telethon and wow, now it's the people station and weird Al is happy. That's it. Uh, All that happens. Yeah. That made less sense than anything else I've ever heard in my entire life. The, the movie, movie makes sense in comparison to that. <laughs> <laughs> what the hell? What the hell was that? Well, but in fair, I mean, it's it's like a stream of consciousness uh, <laughs> yeah, of the movie. That was a stream of consciousness. Well, I guess in the movie is too. Yeah. Is I did tracking this shit down beforehand, and you weren't happy with that either. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> uh, thoughts on the movie there, uh, Nick? Or uh, no, Jack or James? James. Let's go to James. Thoughts on the movie? I think you're the one who probably <laughs> seen this the most. I I'd never seen the movie. I'd seen so many clips. I thought I'd seen the movie. I'd never seen the movie. Hmm. It was the first time I actually saw it. Well, it's uh, I definitely knew the movie well, and. Uh, uh, interesting coming back, looking through uh, the lens uh, that uh, that we bring to this show of can I does the, you know this makes sense because I've seen it since I was a you know a kid. Does it make sense you know from an outside first eyes kind of point of view? Uh, there are a few other films like this. I'm trying to remember. There's a um, boob there was the, the, yeah boob tube and there's the there's the sort of sequel to Rocky Horror. Uh, oh shock yes, treatment. Right. Yeah, um, yep. which are, yeah, like, I, I mean, Boob Tube is probably the closest where it's just flipping channels because this is maybe half of this is story. And Amazon would have come out of space. Yeah, the one? yeah, it actually, that, that's a yeah, that's a good example as well. Like where it's yeah. kind of flipping channels between things, and it's and this is all from the same UHF cha- channel, but it's uh, it is basically like a you know fake ads and yeah uh, it's skits it's and some of it's dream dream sequences as well that are of fake ads so yeah i mean it's all (laughs) other yeah for some reason those couldn't have been uh shows that on his network they have to be done as dreams um they were too big budget for his uh for his (laughs) actual network yeah 
I I love that uh, I love that they pause to uh, to put in an entire music video uh, of uh, Weird Al. Um, that was great. That was a good money saver that you could uh, mm, just well, you can just cut minutes. that right out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> no, I mean the thing is, I mean it, that's the sequence that makes the best use of his talents in the whole movie. For sure, and that because is that by is a, far is, my favorite part. Oh yeah, it's it's genius that the, the Beverly Hillbillies to Money for Nothing. And how well it fits that sequence, and then also just the the, the dead on you know copy of the video. That sequence is absolute genius, and and shows why he's had such a long and and successful career at doing the music parodies, mm-hmm. not doing movies. Well, it has some good points and has some bad points in the movies. There was a few things that made me laugh, but as a, I think my problem with the movie was right on. Was I was expecting the stuff that like, like on the on the, the like the different shows and stuff like that to be wacky, but I wasn't expecting the entire world to be a cartoon. <laughs> uh, whereas then, like it was because it opens up in a dream sequence of him and it's it's a, a spoof of Indiana Jones, and it's like a, and I'm like, okay, that's fine. Dream sequences or the shows that can be. But everything else was no different than the dream sequences of the shows. That that was what caught me off guard. It seems it seems really like it's almost haphazard the way it's put together. Like it's just, and you know, we talk about stream of consciousness, and it and it almost is in that regard where it's just like, like, hey, what what can go next? Um, I've got an idea. Let's put it here. Okay, and just and they just keep kept rolling with it and just jamming stuff in there. So I mean, it, it's it's definitely. An interesting viewing experience. Now, does anyone know anything about this film? Was it a studio film? Because, I mean, there is not a lot of structure going on other it's, than it, let's so, just do clip, clip, clip. So um, the film was written in 1980, I think 85, and shot in 87, uh, came out in 88. Uh, so it was written in 1985 and for, took him a couple of years to shopping it around. It was written by by Weird Al and his uh, business manager, um, who also ended up Jay Levy, who also ends up uh, as the director of the film. So it took them a while. Eventually, they found somebody who really liked the script. Um, most people rejected it outright, uh, you know. And but he said, "Can you make it really cheap?" And they said, "Yeah, we can make it for five million bucks." And and he's like, "Okay." They got him the five million, and then it was forever in in. Uh, post-production when it finally came out it was released in the summer it's the same summer as as uh let me see batman uh honey i shrunk the kids um uh the living daylights um dark man like just string after string of massive huge pop culture hits and and it was supposed to save orion studio so that, that was there because it had the highest test screening in the history of the of the of the studio and then it was just absolute bomb and it wasn't until video then and years later and even went out of print for many many years but it was years later the really when it got on dvd that it really started to build a, a cult following so yeah i mean it's is it a studio film sort of i mean it was it was a studio film for little money where they were like left them alone because they they actually trusted weird al at that point in time he was hot and he had a, a track record yeah, well, around this era, like Yahoo Serious got a movie, so anything could and, happen. And this movie's very much compared to that uh, Yahoo Serious. Um, uh, what was it? Something uh, Young, Young Einstein. Einstein. Yeah, I, I it, love that this, movie actually. Yeah, but. this movie's compared to that a lot. So, I had, had none of you seen this film before doing it for the show? I've seen it before. I I think I had it memorized from 
uh, from pay TV as a kid. <laughs> it, it was in a heavy rotation. For me, now, when I originally watched this movie, I I didn't I didn't like the movie at all. So I was I was interested in seeing like you know I mean whatever whatever it would be twenty thirty years on that that whether I would actually like this movie um, now and what and watching it in this in this lens. So so now I know. Uh, that that makes it sound like you can't. You didn't. <laughs> it did not turn out for you. <laughs> I can safely say that I don't need to watch this movie again. <laughs> I, I I laughed at some serious uh, some things. You know, I'll save that for the scoring. But uh, I mean, there were definitely things that made me laugh. But it's it's not a it it is a sense of like I say, he ended up with a variety show in the nineties, and if if this you cut out the best skits in this and put them on a variety show for like 20 minutes. Oh man. Amazing. Great. Yeah. But yeah, exactly. It'd be fantastic. But as a full movie, I mean, as far as character development or or plot and logic or anything behind that story structure, it suffers greatly. And, and it's a small budget studio film, but it's not really, and it's a cult film, but it doesn't have the schlock for me that, that I hope for from a film. It's more silly than schlocky. I mean, I totally understand, though, why this is a cult film, 100%, because I, oh, yeah. I think that there are absolutely people out there that that well love this and well want to watch this on a regular basis, because, you know, there's there's no question, like, it's, it's like, it's got so much stuff jammed in it that it's, it's something is bound to speak to somebody. Yeah, yeah the, and the, I, the, the highs are high, but the lows are, I, I mean, Conan the Librarian is not funny at all. I didn't mind that one, but <laughs> that was that's the one that that was really funny. Yeah, uh, it's funny. It's, it's no spatula movie. city. No, spatula city is the one that's memorable. I mean, this is this also. Uh, I mean, this spawned a, a you know a high a top selling um, you know cassette and CD uh, to go with it of all of the best tunes. So I mean, it it really it does feel to me be, uh, like one of those. Uh, one of those long form videos that was made around this time of like the late eighties oh, yeah, where like really Michael they Jackson, built a structure and stuff like that. Yeah. Yeah. Like Duran Duran arena where it's like, they really built a movie around a bunch of musical numbers. Um, and in this case, I mean, we've got, cause spatula city is on the, is on the cassette. Um, I mean, certainly Beverly Hillbillies, UHF. Um, so, I mean, there's probably, and I know that they, they had to pad it because there's not a, and like there's not enough songs in this uh it's not a full-on like weird all musical but no, i believe there's the only the one song isn't there i think no, i just said the... two of them yeah. <laughs> well, Spatula city wasn't an actual song no but uhf was <laughs> yeah, that would... huh. yeah that's during the credits so he might not have heard it i either um, either way there is definitely an album that came from it and and there's lots of stuff i mean it's the I mean the album is probably much like I would probably enjoy the album more than the movie I think. Yeah, I I I probably wouldn't because my because my favorite joke in the whole thing is visual, but uh, the thing that made me laugh the most, and so I would lose that one. But uh, or even Spatula City, I don't know that you'd get, or Wheel of Fish is another one. I don't know if well maybe they would maybe you would get that even better if it was if you didn't have the video. 
but uh, I understand that day that they got real fish uh, from the local market and uh, <laughs> the air conditioning wasn't working and it was a hot day and they weren't really thinking about it, but uh, they didn't have money for fake fish. So uh, <laughs> not a pleasant day for the cast and crew, let's just say on the film. <laughs> There's a lot of interesting trivia, of course, with this film when he gets to be a cult classic like this, like the fact that the friend, uh, best friend role was originally offered to Jerry Seinfeld and he turned it down. And Ellen DeGeneres was supposed to play the girlfriend, and uh, some reason that Weird Al doesn't or doesn't know that it ended up being Victoria Jackson. So, you know, it's a it's an interesting, yeah, very interesting film. It certainly fits for the season. Um, it'll be interesting in the scoring, but it feels like one of those ones like like your Monster Squad. That's like it won't do terrible because it has enough to it, but it's not uh, certainly not a contender. For, I don't uh, the think best anyone film ever. other than Michael Richardson could could have taken that role. Michael Richards, Richards. Yeah, I, I he he's incredibly talented. I mean, you can't deny that, and and he specializes in that kind of role. On the other hand, I could not help but watch it and be incredibly offended at the <laughs> at the character. It's never implied, but I cannot think that this isn't a character supposed to have you know a handicap of some kind. That's I don't know. Maybe it's just me. So it's a, a strange uh, career month for Michael Richards at the time. Uh, the uh, this film was released on the 21st of July, uh, 1989, and Seinfeld debuted on the 5th of July of the wow. same year. So uh, two, oh, that, uh, about two weeks, two weeks between when this movie was became the Giants, it opened to hundreds and hundreds of dollars, uh, <laughs> and then Seinfeld debuted. <laughs> and Seinfeld debuted. You to hundreds and hundreds of viewers. That's right. <laughs> it didn't. It wasn't until season three that that That's took right. off. So yeah. Well, I, as, considering... I mean, as uh, Nick had Nick had said, you know, referred to Michael Richards, the performer, as Kramer, a character that he played on Seinfeld. Uh, I always I always thought of the guy on Seinfeld as the guy as the actor who had been in EOHF. There uh, you go. Because I I don't. I know always thought of him from Fridays. Yeah. Well. Yeah. Oh wow, he was in another show other than okay. Because I could only think of three roles he's ever played, and I think it's, I was the only one who ever saw Airheads. So, oh yeah, Airheads, I've totally right. seen Airheads, but uh, but yeah. I've forgotten him in it. I, I yeah, I'm, I'm with you there. I don't I don't remember him being in it, but that's I the, partially that's just that's just me. You know, it's just like I see him and it's just like oh, block it out, block it out. Get out. <laughs> I was kidding. I never saw Fridays, so I've gone back and watched it. Now. I did see him on The Tonight Show. He used to come on with uh, Jay Leto and do basically that's this character, sketches like that, like where he would be like a guy who would be working out and just be really clumsy, like a human goofy, basically. Yeah. Well, aren't we lucky we don't ever get have to see him again? So, <laughs> Yeah, while he's, he's managed to bounce back to the point where he gets roles uh, occasionally, uh, Clearly, uh, the racist prick deserves to not work. Well, I don't, I don't know, I don't know it's, what else. It's, <laughs> it's not us yeah. there. So far. Hey, yeah. it's a comedy show, <laughs> but I mean, it had to be said. I don't think it did. No. <laughs> I think we were probably fine. <laughs> people, All people right, probably did that. that before this. <laughs> And edit that part out. <laughs> what edit? Edit the show stopping moment. <laughs> well, I, I, I'm kind of done. I don't, I'm, I don't even want to score it anymore. So. The end, we don't. 
but uh, we don't know. You'll know because of the large space <laughs> where it is. Well, want to get to the audio. The audio waveform just goes to nothing here for about uh, 20 seconds. I wonder if that's a <laughs> drop out there. <laughs> All right, scoring it is. Uh, in our search for the ultimate B movie, we rate each film in five categories, none of which are objective quality. The first category we call schlock appeal, and we start with Stan. Well, you're, you know, I mean, it was said before that uh, that whatever his name is decided that this isn't very schlocky, and and you know, the thing is, is that I I do tend to agree. Like, I think this wound up being ex- largely exactly what they wanted to do, um, and you know, in and of itself. I, I think, like, the intention is schlocky more so than the actual execution, just because, because I mean, it's so weird, Al, it's so wild and fun, and being able to put these crazy little skits down, and I think a lot of, like, comedy people probably have the same kind of goal of being able to make something like this, where they can, where they can just do fun little bits, and they don't have to actually bog themselves down with story very often, um, but it's true. Like, I don't tend to think of it as a schlocky movie. I'm just going to give it a four. Um, yeah, I, I can't say it's terribly schlocky. It might get a couple points just because every comedian during this time period sort of gets a shot at trying to become something. They were just throwing anything at the wall to see if it worked. So, but on a haul, it's, I couldn't see this playing in drive-in or grindhouse or anything like that. And even the bad bits are almost intentionally bad. Like, it's the badness is sort of forced. So I can't go any higher than a three. Oh, I, I got uh, – it's light. It's an easy watch. Um, it's, like I say, more silly than schlocky, but – I mean, it's it's a fun movie. I can see why people like it. I'm giving it a six. I'm I, I have a little bit of a hot soft spot for it, even though it's not great. Yeah, uh, but that, this is schlock, not is it good? Well, it's schlock, it's schlock appeal, and I found it appealing. So you know, it's it's silliness appeal more than schlock appeal, but I still found it appealing. So. I'm fine with that. Six. It's not I'm, so, I'm so happy be, that Stan didn't veto Jackson. <laughs> that's, that's right. I, I, I approve of your I approve of your um, appeal score. Yes. Mm-hmm. <laughs> well, I'll split the difference and uh, go with a five. I think that uh, uh, I mean the, the the overall structure of the story. Uh, no, but I mean the bits you can pull out of uh, uh, of individual. Uh, pieces that are, uh, I mean, it's interesting to frame them as UHF because it's not framed as, you know, like BoobTube is framed as, you know, 57 channels and nothing on kind of stuff. Um, you know, this could have been, you know, trailers from a drive-in if you had done it 10 years earlier. Mm-hmm. Uh, all right. More heart than budget. Uh, reported budget $5 million in 1989. I mean, Oh yeah, I mean it's a tough one. I mean, I they they put they certainly put everything. I, I they wanted to make this movie. They did make this movie, and they did a and I think they did a good job as a whole, um, given their limitations. Um, I'll go with six. Yeah, I I think there was a lot of heart in this in individual things. On a whole, maybe not. Um, I don't. I uh, the mere fact that Weird Al has never made another movie since. 
I'm sure uh, his subsequent career outside of movies could support a second movie of some sort, especially considering the cult status of this film. But no, he does. He hasn't wanted to go back. Uh, I am sure he wanted to do a lot of the skits, but the whole thing, I don't think so. So I can only go up to a six. Um, it's, uh, I think it has, a, I think the reason why it has that cult appeal is because it has a lot of heart is because it does feel genuine. These people who didn't really know what they're doing, but they just, they it's, it's everything's genuine to me in the movie. So I think it has a lot of heart. Um, and there is a lot of appeal for a, uh, or, or a lot of requests for a sequel, but uh, basically Weird Al's like, look, it didn't do anything in the box office. Why would we waste our money again? But uh, I think that's a mistake from him. I bet you if this came out in the theaters in a sequel, uh, after the cult following, I bet you it would do extremely well. Um, extremely well, relatively speaking, because I think it would still have to be made on a small budget. They could get their $5 million back for sure. Well, if they made it $15 million for $15 million now, and uh, I think they would easily... Domestic box office would probably go between sixty and eighty million, I would think, which is a lot better than the original. Um, I'm, yeah, I'm so just I gotta, thinking I, he looked bored in anything that involved story in this entire thing. I mean, yeah. the setup scenes are painful. Yeah, yeah. Well, he's just not good at that part. But uh, then again, I do understand that the uh, that the uh, Twinkie and hot dog with cheese on it is delicious. <laughs> so, so he, so he did. I think he enjoyed that, that part. Good, yeah. uh, I got a seven. Uh, I think that, uh, I think that the bits they were there for, they were there for. Uh, I think, uh, I think the romantic part of the story is what's what's clunky. I think that uh, <laughs> Weird Al scenes with with Michael Richards are really great. Uh, the relationship between him and his friend are really great, uh, and I think that, uh, uh, I think they were they were going for something you know, specific and because it was such a low budget, they were able to kind of play. So uh, I went to eight on this. Uh, what the fuck moments? This one's an interesting one because um, as I was watching it, you know, I, I thought to myself, Oh, Oh, the hobo, that's totally what the fuck. I don't, I don't get that. But then of course, by the end that totally pays off. And you know who played, you know, who auditioned for that part and was turned down because he wasn't right for it. Ginger Baker. I don't know who that is. Only, That's only okay. the one of the greatest drummers of all time, but but most most importantly, only one of the biggest curmudgeons of all time. Yes, <laughs> like, exactly. That's why that one's interesting. I knew you knew who he was. You watch the watch the documentary. Uh, what the hell's it called? Um, Miss something, Mister Baker, and and you'll be like, oh man, nobody in the planet is a bigger asshole than this man. <laughs> and and it's great. He's, he's just he's funny just because he's such an asshole. <laughs> so horrible to the guy who does the documentary on him that it's just incredible. I, li- I like that you were both able to be condescending that I didn't know who it, who it was without actually telling me who it is. <laughs> <laughs> oh, <laughs> drummer for Cream. Cream, yeah, who's in Cream. He was the, the drummer for Cream. One of the greatest drummers of all time, no question. Wasn't actually trying to be condescending. Just, just was trying to or more make more be fun. But, uh, but oh, alright. Next time. I thought educate you. I mean, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> what's condescending about that? Yeah. Only one of the best drummers of all time. From oh, a band yeah. So there. <laughs> now you know. And knowing is half the battle. But, anyways, 
that was way more what the fuck than uh, than a lot of this movie. It, like, the thing is, is that there's a lot of. I mean, this is this is chock full of like things from out of nowhere, but that's just what they wanted. So for me, I didn't actually think it was terribly what the fuck. I would just give it a three. No, the the WTFs, if there aren't in this movie, are all meant for humorous purposes. Um, yeah. I'll go even lower, too. Yeah, I got five. Uh, I think it definitely has WTF. I, I, I mean, think you're the... voting with, like, your your love of this movie. I mean, it's a much better well, movie I... than our scores would reflect, but... Well, no, I, I mean, the thing is, it Wheel of Fish is definitely WTF. The problem is it's purposeful WTF. So if I, if I scored the actual amount of WTFs from somebody who didn't understand how we score things, it'd be a 10. If I score the amount of WTS by accident, it'd be a zero. So I'm going right in the middle for a five. <laughs> I just want to go on record that I support all of your, uh, <laughs> your ratings, Chuck. I'm, I'm, I'm not questioning Judging a lot of people's judging today. <laughs> Are you sure about that? I don't, I don't know. I, I'm not sure about that one. <laughs> I'm less confident about my own. Uh, <laughs> I think uh, I think you're right that it is, uh, you know, it's the intentional part that it is, you know, uh, much like other absurdist things that we've seen, like Cap and Boy, is very intentional that uh, that uh, any of the the left turns are not um, happenstance; they're intended that way uh, to be, you know, absurd and and uh, non sequitur and such. Uh, only four for me on this category. Memorable moments. Not like I gave it a ten; I gave it a five. <laughs> <laughs> I spun the wheel of fish, and you failed. <laughs> no. I, I think that it's it's interesting. Like my from having watched this so so much so much earlier when it came out. Um I and think disliking that, it back then, didn't you? You yeah. highly disliked it. Didn't well, I just time? yeah, I just I just don't remember I just didn't remember enjoying it and, and I and I thought I would. But I think that I don't think there's a lot that stuck with me per se when I did, had when I watched it again. But the interesting thing, though, is that I think that there are other things that from this movie that kind of did stick with me that I didn't actually attach to this movie. Like when you talk about Gandhi 2 and stuff like that, like oh, those are yeah. the kind of moments where it's just like, like those, those things come up in pop culture, like Gandhi 2 and like Rambo 796 and that kind of thing. And, and I feel like a lot of that does have to do with, with Gandhi 2 from UHF. So I think that there is moments that are memorable. I mean, certainly now I'm I'm unlikely to forget the the music video sequence. Um, like, so for me, I'll give it a six. But I but I understand how lots of people could go way higher. Uh, yeah, I'm one of those lots of people. I'm going with an eight just because I I remembered a whole lot of these skits. Uh, and I've seen both BoomTube and Amazon Woman on the Moon, and I can't remember any of those skits. I mean, I remember Kentucky Pride movie a little bit more, but I, I think the skits that are good in this are memorable. Even the ones I don't like, like Conan the Librarian, I remembered before it hit in the movie. So definitely, yeah, eight. Yeah, I mean, I think this is the category where this film shines, clearly. It's uh, a really, 
I mean, again, I thought I'd seen the movie when I hadn't seen it because the clips are out there so much and it's made such a pop culture impact. Uh, things like little things like the little dance that he does as, as Uncle Nut- Nutty's or, or whatever. I don't know. So whatever his playhouse is, Uncle Nutty's playhouse. Um, the music video. My favorite skit, I laughed my ass off. I couldn't stop laughing when the, the poodle's flying. I, I <laughs> yeah, the Wild Kingdom. Yes. Oh my Wild, God, Raoul's Wild Kingdom. <laughs> Raoul's Wild Kingdom. And he takes the poodle and he's like, "I'm gonna teach it to fly," and he throws <laughs> it out, and you hear this boom. And so he takes another one, and and he's like, "Oh, that one didn't work. Let's try it again, kids." And he picks that up and he throws the other one out, and this time you see it land again, but it's a huge pile, like like. 10 or 15 <laughs> you know my favorite part of that was actually when it cut back to weird al and his, and his uh buddy and it was just like who put this on the air oh i thought it was you i thought it was, yeah. like, it was, just... oh, I it was the funniest i laughed for like five minutes i was laughing so hard i was tears were coming from my eyes i just the idea when he that he's tried this like 10 times it hasn't worked he sticks his head out the window and goes oh man and then when he gets the shipment of of new animals you know later on yeah you know the badger Badgers. joke was totally unnecessary but appreciated uh, exactly. <laughs> this movie has a ton of shout outs to the cult movies and cult characters and, and posters and and named after like old cult movies and and posters in the background and all that kind of stuff like it's just it's got a love for that kind of stuff back to the heart uh yeah no so i i i, I definitely think this is huge i've got a nine there's a whole bunch of stuff on this i'm not gonna forget i uh, i mean, definitely raul's wild kingdom is amazing uh the uh the the Wheel of Fish is, is the only game show that they show on, and uh, you spin a wheel that has uh, about 20 different kinds of fish on it. Uh, Red Snapper is what the woman yeah uh, <laughs> what the woman spins and uh, but the, the the payoff of that scene where you know is that she uh, she can keep the red snapper, uh, which because uh, the grand prize winner gets their weight in fish. Um, you can keep the red snapper or take what's in the box and then. What's in the box is nothing. You get nothing. You're so stupid. I just absolutely to that That Cooney oh, character that was. was <laughs> he was in a lot of movies in the eighties. Yeah. He was like he was on a ton of like of teen comedies and such. Um, and uh, and yeah, and then uh, uh, the. Uh, yeah, just there's a lot of those bits that just stuck with me um, over the years, uh, and uh, yeah, I have a I have a soft spot for this movie because it's just it is a heartwarming story. It's it's really big bad, cartoonish bad guys versus you know the hero who uh, who means well, w- dreams big. Uh, so all the way up to a ten for me on this. Yeah. Oh, and Emo Phillips. Is- and emo oh, Phillips. Oh, I love that. It isn't my face red. Uh, <laughs> I'm not going to forget that. The villain is really good in this. The guy I played the villain uh, did a really good job of that over the top eagle maniac type of of villain. This movie's got like that emo Phillips thing is usually cut in the, when it's shown on Comedy Central, as is like oh, yeah. Conan the Barbarian, mm-hmm. uh, as is the the at very end where the woman knees uh, him in the balls and you don't see it, <laughs> but. But uh, he's the bad guy in the balls. That's cut for some reason. Like, a lot of stuff is cut. And you're like, really? From, you know, a cable network? Anyways. Uh, Kev- Kevin McCarthy is, uh, as the bad guy. Uh, best known. Uh, 
I, I think in high, you know, career-wise, best known for the original Invasion of the Body Snatchers. Mm. Oh yeah, oh yeah, that's right. That's I had put that together. Yeah. There's a cult classic that wouldn't fit. <laughs> <laughs> it also, wouldn't wouldn't score well on the show. Yeah. There's probably a but there's about 18 Body Snatcher movies though, so there's one of them might guarantee guarantee one of them will. Yeah. With maybe the one by what's his name Abe Abe for Ferrara or for Ferrara <laughs> Snatchers I think so. just Snatch. it's snatchers. just called it's just called Snatch uh, <laughs> I don't know how would Snatch score <laughs> <laughs> probably probably about as well as this is doing uh, crazy concept this this one this one you know I I struggle with this one ultimately just because I think that. You know, this is this is the kind of movie. I mean, it, it was created right around Weird Al's like popularity height. This is exactly what he wanted to do. I mean, I think it is a hard sell just based on what it is. But given the the type and the volume of other types of movies that we've seen like this, I don't think it's all that crazy. I think I do really do think that it's exactly it plays to his strengths, and that's and that's a great a great idea for him. But I can only give it a two. Yeah, I can't go high either just because, you know, if, if if I was unfamiliar with this movie but knew who Weird Al was and then was told he made a movie, I'd assume he made this movie. So, yeah, two is an appropriate score. I I think it. Uh, I got it higher just because the fact is that it we was turned... We named three other films, I believe that are exactly like this film around this period. Yeah. But the, the but, uh, again, judging my judging, uh, you know, I, I, hey, I got Nick already because... said two is the appropriate score. So. <laughs> <laughs> I, when he did that, I was like, you didn't really leave me any room for anything else. <laughs> no, uh, the reason this was turned down by, by Hollywood scripts was cause it was too crazy. A concept weird Al with no, with no experience and his, uh, and his manager, who uh, had directed some of his music videos, but other than that, had never directed anything, with this script. And it, and it's all at one station. And, you know, originally it was looking for a bigger budget. And, and it, it's just a – it's it's just such a strange – the skits are so strange, so ultimately strange. I, I think it's definitely a weirder than that. I got a six. I, I think that that, over, that high kind of high-level concept that – is uh makes sense for you know weird Allen his type of humor um then there's a love story in this uh, <laughs> sort of <laughs> and sort of but but with a, but with victoria jackson who's who dumps him and then does not see him for a full half hour of a 97 minute movie <laughs> uh, <laughs> she vanishes completely for about 20 minutes uh and then she pops back up uh for a scene without him uh, so I think jamming in the the romance uh, it, is, uh, it gets a lot of points on this, uh, and uh, I, I think also as you know as as uh, as Nick mentioned, there aren't all actually a lot of songs in this. Literally, the only thing Weirdell is known for is his parody <laughs> songs, <laughs> aside from being the son of Frankie Yankovic, uh, Pulp, Pulp, Pulp Legend. Um, yeah, the, the biggest, the biggest thing he's known for. <laughs> yes, yes. So second, secondarily, his uh, his, <laughs> his, his, his songs, <laughs> and then that it's not full of the songs. Um, like the the soundtrack actually has 
original songs on it because there just aren't enough in the film to make a whole cassette. Um, and maybe that's maybe that's actually part of the problem with in some cases is that like there's this whole hope that that you're going to get this whole. 90 minutes of like of weird of new weird out music and instead <laughs> you you actually wind up getting like conan the librarian and stuff like that this is like are you doing it why did gallagher get a movie there must be a gallagher movie you're gonna get a, we're going down the rabbit hole there <laughs> yeah yeah, yeah no, 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 I'm not I'm, I'm gallagher also, or gallagher 2 what's gallagher 2 oh you don't know this story <laughs> oh, there you go again. Now you're getting... Oh, you mean you oh, don't no, know no, this? Like, this is great. Like, yeah. it's just, it's just, I'm, I'm not, I'm not trying to be condescending. I'm just, I'm just, like, I'm, I'm happy to be able to like, share it with you. The way he worded that sounded like he was about to tell me, and the way that you worded it, Daniel, sounded like you were never going to tell me. So there. <laughs> sold his sold his act to his twin brother so it became gallagher too but they didn't tell anybody it was his twin brother so everybody thought they were still paying for gallagher and meanwhile his twin brother was doing the act but had none of the talent or timing or anything like that so (laughs) and eventually the original brother wanted it back and he would give it so it became a lawsuit oh it was all this stuff it's awesome it's like one of those true Hollywood stories. It should be a, it should be a little mini movie of the week if Gallagher was still as popular because he was massive at one point. But now nobody would watch it. Yeah, he could I put mean, it on the Peacock Network. Yeah, he kind of forget that Gallagher was as big as he was. Um, I do love a good watermelon. All I remember is the watermelon. I, I don't know if he had another bed. <laughs> no, I assume, no, I assume sure. if you paid to see <laughs> just him, there had to be something besides the watermelon. But I don't know what it was. Uh, <laughs> that's, that is all that's remembered. Um, the uh, is, uh, it's like when we did the evil Knievel like he did the jump which takes about 45 seconds so what the hell else happened on the day <laughs> that you could show up and be there for the afternoon <laughs> yeah. alright six is what I went with as well uh, which uh, this film does get penalized for being over 95 minutes it is 97 minutes uh, if it was the TV cut we had watched it would have it would have come under um, they would have uh, shaved up you know what uh, 97 minutes doesn't seem so long uh, compared to what is coming up. <laughs> yeah. Well, that gives it a final total of uh, 53.5 out of 100, uh, which puts it right above Warlock 2, the, Ar- the Armageddon, and right below Skidoo. I was going to say, let me guess, Skidoo? <laughs> <It's like laughs> <Yeah. laughs> the place that's, that's that everything is. <laughs> <laughs> the one uh, thing that I'll say about this movie, that, that especially right at the end, as I was watching it, I was just like, "Dude, this is breaking too right now." You know, like the, the whole like last. Well, yeah, I mean, the, the, let's have a car wash to save the yeah, to save sure. the what is a it, that's a fairly standard that's a fairly solid seventies uh, and eighties trope. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> yeah, have a. I mean, they're. I mean, that's the third act of this is that they have a, a a buy a share in the in the station to save the station uh, fundraiser. Yeah, you know, ski school two really uh, <laughs> cemented that in there. Yeah. That everyone's like, we should have an ending like the ski school two. Yeah, well, not just them. I remember, 
I remember like like uh, Silence of the Lambs was like we should have an ending like Ski School too. <laughs> like everybody was saying that. Yep, that's yep, for wow, sure. it, it was, was just huge. Yeah. It was yeah. Uh, speaking of huge, well, our next movie is The China Salesman with Evek Mike Tyson. Um, and, uh, sort of. And so, yeah, um, let's see now. How, how about we do some business? All right. Uh, we are sponsored by We Talk Podcasts. And if you go to their web- website, wetalkpodcast.com, that is the home of the Octagon, where we keep track of our ongoing search for the ultimate B movie. Also, we are on Instagram at cult film showdown and we talk podcasts has a twitter and they have a facebook all of those will keep you up to date with what we're up to that's fantastic it's important good job jim you really threw the out the cat with that one (laughs) (laughs) how about the bath water (laughs) the cat was in the bath water i mean the cat would be running away if it was in the bath water good point anyways um, yeah, so next episode we are moving on with the China salesman. And does anybody have anything else to say? I hope not. You got Please it don't make me do the plot. <laughs> oh boy. You Looking got it forward all on, to you that. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. yeah, well, Roger maybe, maybe when, when we do get uh, the new cult film showdown theme song, then I'm sure that they're, <laughs> that you, HF, will help, will help us come up with some, oh, with some fun hey, that's. That's not a bad idea. Let's just steal that, steal largely that too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> you got it all on cult film showdown. <laughs> yeah, I like got it. it all on CFS. <laughs> yeah. yeah, I like it. <laughs> all right. Well, for Jim and for Jack or Paul or whatever the hell he's calling himself this week. And for Nick, I am your host, 8th Dan Stanadu, and thanks for listening to the Cult Film Showdown. Listen, let's get one thing straight. Guns don't kill people. I do. Channel 62 has the lowest ratings in the history of television. What they need is a new station manager. No, not him. Forget it. No way. A man of action. A man of courage. A man of vision. What's your name? Billy. Billy what? What they get is a man so desperate, he'll put anyone on the air. Hey, Stanley. Yeah, George? How would you like your own TV show? Okay. You get the drink from the fire hose! Okay, you ready? Yeah! Open wide! He's Conan, the librarian. Today, we're teaching poodles how to fly. We beat up the networks. George Newman, he starts where the others stop. We're the number one station in town. Ah! Orion Pictures presents Weird Al Yankovic in UHF, the movie.